This is the zombie princess, Jimmy Jacobs. And I want you to keep listening to Count It Out with Mike and Tyler. And hey, I'm a princess. I always get what I want. Welcome to another edition of the Bill After Steal of Approved, Count It Out with Mike and Tyler. My name is Tyler, and I am joined by the one and only Mike. Mike, how the hell are you, buddy? I, I, I'm good, man. It's been a hell of a week. It's been, um, it's been a hell of a week. It's been man, a hard week. It, it, it's been a very hard week, and it all started exactly a week ago today, um, the day I was recording one week ago today, I was recording with Matt, and we had just lost um, Terry Funk a few hours prior. Um, I was getting ready to make this uh, uh, this Edge tribute show for his for the end of his uh, uh, the supposed end of his career, putting that all together, and then all of a sudden we get the news that that Terry passed away. I started wondering, am I going to have to scrap this edge list? Like, do we do we just go and do a Terry show? Like, what, what are we going to do? And I said, you know what? Let's sit on it. Let 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 let's let's let Terry fast. We'll 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 give Terry the the show he deserves in a yeah. week or two. Yeah, we kind of talked about that. we kind of talked about yeah. that as well. I didn't want to just rush something, and you know, no. I, and you guys all know I'm a, I love me some Terry Funk, and that was a tough one to and to then, lose. And then my thought process is like, I'm like, I'm sure it'll be like a slow news week that, uh, you know, we could spend a lot of time on, on, on Terry and fuck me if it was anything but a slow news week. Yeah, this probably, was... the, probably the hardest news week we've had in professional wrestling in a very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, the 24 hours later, we we find the news that, that Bray Wyatt had passed away and, and we're going to spend about 90 percent of our show. This week, talking about Bray Wyatt, we're going to uh, very shortly throw to an interview that I conducted about three or four weeks ago, I guess, by this point mm-hmm. with with yeah. uh, with Eric Rowan. And we were holding on to that episode for that in that interview just for when the timing was going to be right. We were in any rush for it because there was nothing topical happening. We obviously didn't think that we were going to need it for a Bray tribute show. Well, we weren't really intending, like, and it's funny because, like, I'd asked you probably about five times, like, over the last three weeks, like, hey, when when should I drop this Rowan thing? And you're like, ah, you can drop it whenever, like, we were going to put it on a show, and then we didn't, I was going to release it solo, and I I was actually going to release it the day that Bray passed away, and then I was like, well, I don't want to do that. No, No, that's uh, that's not who we No, it would have gave the impression that we were, we were exploiting his, his death for views and that's ex- that 
you just said it perfectly. That's not who we are. That's not the show that we do. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I'm glad you held on to it, and I'm glad we're debuting it here because now it can be used for this this touching tribute to a wrestler that you and I both loved. Um, and there's, you know, it's proof that that we did truly both admire Bray Wyatt because the list we're doing tonight is a list that we've not only pre-recorded, but it's a list that we've put on the show before. Um, we had a full Bray Wyatt show already on this show just because we love Bray Wyatt. Um, yeah, let me, so, if I could kind of just dive into the format a little bit that we're going to do here today. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a little bit different uh, counted out show this week. We're going to, uh, we're, we're very shortly and very quickly going to talk about a little bit of the world of wrestling. Uh, you know, AEW specifically had a, I'm pretty sure they had a big event this last weekend, but you wouldn't know judging by the internet. Uh, we'll talk about all that in a minute. And when we're done talking about that, we're going to throw it to the Eric Rowan interview. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, we're going to just kind of air some prior stuff that we've done on Counted Out. We're going to uh, throw back to a, a wonderful conversation that I had with Waiting from Post Wrestling uh, from our year-end show, where I, I've kind of clipped a portion of that out, where we talked specifically about Bray Wyatt's return to the company. Uh, and and I, I edited some of this out, and, and the one part that was tough to edit out, I didn't edit out for any reason other than just kind of keep the show at a good time, and I just want to talk about his return, but uh, I ended, and you can hear the full thing on our year-end shows, so go check that out in the archives. But the the one of the last questions I asked Way was, what can we expect from Bray Wyatt over the next year? And this is not what we expected to happen at all. No. It's terrible, terrible. No. And we're going to dive into Bray in a little bit. Yeah, uh, and, and then we're going to close it out with the list that uh, I I did. It was probably the week or two after his return to the company. Yeah, um, I can't remember exactly what month it was, but I remember you and I did it sitting in my office. And um, I no, I don't think we were together on this list. I believe we were. Uh, not by the footage that I edited earlier okay. today. <laughs> okay, well, I was in my office. I was in my office. Um. But it was sad because oh, I have a Siri running. Um, the the sad thing too, and it's not in our interview, so you have to go back and listen to the full interview on our archives as well. But uh, we were talking about kind of how we were both not super impressed with his follow up so far, and and you said, well, you know, like Bray's only thirty four, thirty two, thirty three years old, like. Who knows what where his legacy yeah. is going to be, and that was a sentence you said, and it's like fuck, man, that's heavy. I, I was it was heavy to put this show together this week. Yeah, we're gonna get into it a little bit. I don't want to give too much uh, right now, but yeah, that that sentence alone use the perfect word. That's heavy, man. That's that's uh, because the world. Okay, I'm gonna use the most cliche term in the world, but this is so true. He had the world in his hands, man. He had the world of professional wrestling in his hands. And he had some very important people like Triple H, Shawn Michaels. He had these guys backing him up and saying that, hey, man, you're the man. You can do this. The only the only thought in keeping him down, as far as I'm concerned, was Vince McMahon. I don't think Vince saw what Triple H saw in him. If... If that if that big hand big thumb events wasn't keeping him down, uh, you know, didn't fire him during the uh, dur- during the pandemic and and didn't uh, you know kind of stifle his creativity for a while, 
we would decide much bigger things from Bray before he unfortunately got sick. Yeah, we can uh, let's let's dive into that and let's pick up on that a little bit. I want to talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the world of wrestling. Uh, yeah. Let's specifically hone in on AEW right now. What should have been the biggest by far? And first of all, congratulations to AEW. Before we like, you know, get into anything, let's let's tip our cap. They filled up Wembley Stadium, man. Eighty-one thousand, I believe, was the final number. Uh, something like uh, that. That 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 was the paid ticket, the the paid attendance, mm-hmm. and that that's an that's an important thing to signify, you know. Um, listen, I'm not gonna be one of those guys shitting on Vince for uh, for for doctoring the numbers and stuff like that, because that's just the way things were done back then. You tell me he was the first person to fucking doctor numbers. Bullshit. NWA used to do it all all the time back in the day. Ricky Bucking Morton's and, famous line: uh, "They're uh, hanging from the rafters, brother." Yeah, and you know. Um, uh, you don't you don't think that uh, you know Metallica's management has doctored a number t- a time or two or Michael Jackson's management? Come on, bullshit. Uh, Vince wasn't the first person to do it. He won't be the last person to do it. And who knows? We don't know that Tony didn't doctor those numbers. I feel he didn't. But here, but here's the the difference in the two numbers. The numbers we were given, you know, back in '92, and for for you know, let's say um, WrestleMania WrestleMania Six at the Sky Dome, and any of the big, big, big numbers that that they were proud of the numbers given to us were not paid attendance it was the number of people in the building so you're 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 talking you're the 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 guy who you bought your t-shirt from the ticket taker uh the 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 usher the the ring crew everybody every single body including the wrestlers including vince every single person in that building was counted towards that number and so that probably one thousand probably about fifteen thousand just made up people as well <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah sure so 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 that one hundred one thousand. now do i believe that their paid attendance was probably at least very close to what tony's was at, at aw yeah i do i don't think tony outdid wwe by a large margin by any means does it matter i don't think so because Tony did this with less than five years under his belt. Tony did this in a very, let's say, a very different stadium, by the way. This is not the same Wembley Stadium that was around in 1992. Let's be honest about that. There, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's more seats now. There's, there is more area for them to put in. I That's what I've read sure, in the yeah. past. I think That's you're correct. Read. I think you're correct. Um, so... But who's to know that if, you know, and I do believe those seats would have been filled back in the day, but would they have been filled with paid people or, you know, you know, you know, you know, the wrestlers wives, who knows, but. And their girlfriends. The, the, exactly. But the fact is with less than less than five years under their belts, AEW has a product good enough. Cause, cause it's, and, and let's be honest. And, Everybody knows. Everyone's waiting for. I guarantee everybody listening right now is waiting for me to drop the hammer and start shitting on AEW. You're going to be waiting a while. It's not coming this week because I'm actually proud of these guys because here's something that wasn't able to be done by the other companies. By WCW couldn't do it. Impact Wrestling couldn't do it. You know, no other company came close to this that were competing with Vince because. And, you know, everybody thinks at this point that, oh, the only reason people are so 
enamored with AEW is because there's nowhere else to go. You know, it, it's the only non-indie. It's the only, you know, it, it's the only real competition. So we got to watch it. Well, guess what? That only competition just sold 84,000 people in Wembley fucking stadium. Back in 2004, there was only one place to go to. It was called TNA. Did TNA sell out Wembley? Nah. All right. Give it up to AEW. Give them the, the flowers they deserve when they deserve it. When they deserve to be shit on, I'll be the first in fucking line. But this week, I'm giving them their flowers. Now, don't get me wrong. There's going to be shit to get flown a little later on in this conversation. But it has nothing to do with All In specifically. All In, I think, was a great success. They they got those, those UK bastards in that, in that theater. I don't know what the numbers in the pay-per-view were, but I'm going to guess they were good. I'm going to guess. Yeah, they were really I haven't good. heard yet. No, but uh, I'm going to guess they were quite uh, uh, really good numbers. And then let's talk about the show. I watched 50% of the show. Okay. I watched the matches that I really wanted to watch. And then a couple others. Just to say. I loved every match I watched on this show, including matches I didn't expect to love. You were gonna, you're gonna sit there and tell me that you expected me. You know me better. You know me better than almost anybody else. You know my wrestling preferences more than anybody else. Did you have Mike loving the the, the Young Bucks versus FTR and his fucking bingo card this year? Yes, I actually am not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that because FTR is incredible, and I know you hate but, the Bucks. But, and, but, and but, but me, the fact that I love that match, I'm just I very love everything I'm, about it. Like I'm very confident in those guys as a tag team, like all of them. That I'm not surprised to hear you say you enjoyed their match. Um, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe, I thought was fantastic. Uh, it was. I thought it was a great way to open the show. It was a great match. Um, we got classic Samoa Joe. That that felt like an ROH match, like 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 that, like from from Samoa Joe. Anyways, um, I really enjoyed that match, and it was the perfect amount of time. They went something like fourteen minutes. I think if any longer would have been too much, and I think it was perfect. I think the wrong guy went over, and that's not because I hate Punk. I just think the wrong guy went over. Um. So I'm behind on the card. I was actually uh, on holidays last week, and I was in the mm-hmm. United. I was in the United States while this event went on. So I've only seen the main event so far. That's and all you've watched. Okay. That's all I've seen so far. I, uh, I'm very I, sorry. I I didn't mean to be spoiling things. Well, I I I know what happened. I've I've okay. read it. I've read it. I I skimmed through a little bit of it, but I made a point to watch the main event from start to finish. Uh, and I will. I will. That may. Uh, again, did you have this on your bingo card? That made events de- going down for one of my favorite matches of 2023. Um, I again, I'm gonna say I'm not surprised to hear that because I have this weird thing with MJF. It's been a love hate relationship with him all year. Mm-hmm. I, I I will tell you right now, like if you put a gun to my head, if this was our year end show, I think he's my wrestler of the year. Um, this feud with Adam Cole has propelled him to that level for me. But I've been telling you all year, his Iron Man match with Danielson was fucking incredible. The Four Pillars four-way match was very, very good. 
The Adam Cole stuff has been incredible. His match with Tanahashi was very good. Um, fuck, what was the other big one he did? I'm missing one, but I've just been really, really impressed with his in-ring work mm-hmm. all year. I get unimpressed when he when he goes through this cheap heat indie bullshit, you know. But which is I think which is I think why I'm so into him right now because that's not his character right baby, now. Baby face MJF, his heelisms are fantastic now. Like when he got that crowd chanting sportsmanship, sportsmanship, right? and then shook Cole's hand and poked him in the eye, I was just like. <laughs> This guy, like, he got fucking kangaroo kick over. He got double clothesline over. Double right. clothesline is the finisher of the year right now. Like, <laughs> so I, 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 to to coin the phrase, I'm giving the devil his due. I am worshiping on MJF right now. I am highly I, enjoying what he's doing. I As am I. Uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think of the show, I don't remember. You and I have discussed how... Um, Babyface MGF is one of my favorite things going right now, which is awesome for another thing too, because it cements Dominic Mysterio is the greatest uh, heel in the in in the world right now. I think now the MGF was regardless. <laughs> now, now the MGF is not even in the running. Um, so that that so that works out for me. Dominic but, Mysterio. Uh, Dominic Mysterio today said on the WWF bump that he's getting ready to celebrate his 25th anniversary with the company. <laughs> That's incredible. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's incredible, right? I love that. Um, I, another I thing, want... another thing I loved about this, but this, this main event, is it ended exactly how I wanted it to. I was so afraid that they'd be too afraid to keep them together in the end, and it would have been a mistake to break them up. It really would have. And you kept them together, but you did the perfect teases. Having having Roddy Strong involved there is great. I'm loving the fact that you're having Roddy Strong um, involved with the kingdom. Which is Adam Cole's old teammates, right? Exactly. And those guys are... Those guys can be heat magnets when you you want them to be. They're great baby faces. They're great baby faces as well, especially Matt Taven. But uh, but both David and Bennett are heat seekers. So, you know, uh, Roddy, I think, found the greatest alliances in them to, to help him get over as this this master heel. Yeah, I, when, I, think I think that when I think I, of the great heels. I don't think Roddy's strong. I really I, don't. I think that we should get Roddy and MJF at all out. I think that should be the uh, match. Unfortunately, that's not happening. Uh, did they announce it already? What it is? The, the, I'll, 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 this is going to be part of my discussion because I have a problem with all out. Um, first of all, can you explain this to me? Why? Why is all out happening a week after all in? What, uh, what's what's the what, what's going on here? I have no idea. Okay, uh, that's strange to me. Is it not? Is that not just weird? I'm going to read off the card to you, and to me. Listen, it's going to be good. The, the The matches will be good, but it 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 feels like an oversaturated episode of Dynamite to me. Um, and I have a big problem with the championship lineups because what did I tell you about a year ago? Why I didn't want Tony Khan to be buying ROH? It's because I knew he wasn't going to keep it separate. 
he wasn't yeah. going to make it his own, own thing. And he's gone and done exactly what I didn't want him to do. The two, the two uh, candidates for main event on this card are both ROH title matches. And there's no AEW world title match. Well, we so also, am, it was supposed to be CM Punk and Ricky Starks as well for the fake world title. For the real world title, sure. Um, I'm going to go really quickly through this here. You got Luchasaurus versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Yeah. You got you got Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah. You got Statlander versus Soho. Mm-hmm. You got you got Orange Cassidy versus Moxley for for the International Championship. That'll be that'll a be, that'll be a really good match. Yeah. Uh, you got Omega versus um. Sorry, I always don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. The Takshira. You're okay. asking the wrong guy, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh you got an eight-man tag team uh match. You got the the Bullet Club Gold versus FTR and the Young Bucks. Okay. Um then here's where my problems with this with this pay-per-view start. Here's your three main event candidates. You got better than you, baby, versus I actually, they just announced who that's going to be. It's a spoiler. So if anyone is avoiding a spoiler until Saturday, uh, two now. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, you've been warned. Six, seven. That's our gimmick. (laughs) Uh, They they are going to be going up against the Dark Order, John Silver and Alex Silva. They want a battle royal on Rampage. Uh, and that and that's your all isn't all in supposed to be like their fucking wrestlemania or all no, out? they just did okay. wrestlemania i i guess so um then you got that follow with samoa joe versus shane taylor listen i'm a big fan of shane taylor but keep him on fucking roh and then you got uh eddie kingston uh, eddie kingston and shabita versus the black bull combat club holy fuck man I don't know. This feels no, like a, M- MJF. This is, this is an, this is an ROH card. MJF's also defending the world title at the pay per view. Again, they're doing a. They haven't announced they, it yet. There because he's doing a. There's a, a battle royal or a, a small tournament to crown who will be facing him. So he's pulling double duty at the pay per view. All right. Well, I hope you're right. But the other, on the other hand, well, they announced still, it tonight. That, they, that over, okay. But that still oversaturates the card. That's that'll that'll put a tenth match on this card. That's already too long. That's that's I don't a, know. That's AW. Um, yeah. I I want to comment on something that Eric Bischoff said about this event. Not uh, I don't care about all out right now. I'm talking about all in again. He yes. said that it was uh, uh he gave them their credit. You know, great job filling up the people. But mm-hmm. to him, it felt like the world's biggest indie card. Yeah, and he said that it it didn't have that moment that and i don't disagree with that part of it oh i i don't either you keep talking i'll be right back oh okay um i i don't i don't disagree with the fact that there was no big moment on the show i think that the stadium was the big moment the fact that they the fact that they sold out this thing they were just letting this whole show be the moment were they lacking that big moment? Yeah, maybe. My problem is you're coming out here going, it felt like, you know, it was very, the word he likes to use is indie-rific. It felt so indie-rific. Yeah, bud, because you know why? That's their demographic. That's the people that watch AEW. That's what they want to see. 
Tony, you can say what you want about Tony. He's I've got a lot of fucking things to say about Tony Khan. But the man knows his crowd. And he gives them what they want to see. He's got, there's a reason he bought ROH. Because that's what he was basing his company on. Okay? So you want to call it the biggest indie show ever. Well, guess what? That indie show drew, uh, drew 82,000 fucking people. Eric, I love you. You're a friend of the show, but knowing you're wrong. Yeah, I agree with that, actually, 100%. It, it, it didn't... I, I, I'm not going to comment because I haven't watched the whole show yet. Um, mm-hmm. The main event was fantastic. Uh, the hype was fantastic. I skimmed through the show on the way to the main event just to kind of see some things here and there. Sure. Yeah, crowd looked great. I watched, you know, Jericho tried to do his entrance. He did his best Freddie Mercury, which I wasn't too big on on it. But, um, you know, they had the Queen. Uh, Paige came out, or sorry, Soraya came out to We Will Rock You. And Tony the, Young Bucks, they, the Young Bucks came out dressed like Freddie. Uh, yeah. In the, I, same, in the same outfit that he wore at the, the famous Wembley concert. Same sneakers, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to go back and rewatch this whole card. Uh, let's just try to be really quick on this because I do want to get into some Bray Wyatt stuff in a minute. Well, but Well, you you and I have already talked about this show more than anybody else has talked about it. Because everybody else, nobody else wants to talk about how good the show was. Everybody wants to talk about the bullshit. And we're going to talk about the bullshit, but it was important to me that we actually talk about how good this company did that. That this yeah, week. absolutely, and I, I hope that they built, they keep that momentum going into all out. I, I think a big reason why they felt that they could go that quick from one show to another is because it's in Chicago and they have CM Punk. <laughs> oh, do oh, they though? I don't think so. <laughs> now listen, you know me. I am a punk fan. I am a big. I have been a punk supporter for a long time. I will say when he's wrong, and I I've been very vocal about my um, displeasure with the way that he's handled the press conference and all that stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of that, and I've been honest about it. I actually am not mad at punk this time. Like I am a little hey, bit. Come on, man. He is not in. He, like like like. Listen, we'll talk about the division of of blame here but he's no fucking angel no he shouldn't have got physical he needs to like you know you that's not how you react to things when people piss you off but also it's the whole thing of like samoa joe had to convince him to go out and have this match they almost had to scrap the fucking match because he was being a fucking baby well yeah he got he he got his booboo face on but i understand like if i were cm punk I would not come back to AEW. He, there should be an, an amicable split here. Tony, listen, I get Tony's a businessman. He, you know, looks at that CM Punk just like as we all do as a big draw for his company, and that's a smart thing. But that draw only goes so far if it's hurting your your company internally. At this point, I, I'm saying both for the best best of both worlds, for the for the for the betterment of both men, I think Tony and CM Punk need to shake hands and say we tried, didn't work. Yeah, Fuck oil, off. it's oil and they, water. I think they both 100 percent This this isn't gonna work. Apparently, one of the the you know, again, this is rumor, but one of the lines out of uh CM Punk's mouth at this at this show was I fucking hate this place. I don't blame him though. I don't. I would too if I were him. It's not but, for but, him. But it's not for him, but, but you're making a lot of money. Ahead, so. But I'm not also not going to go ahead and be like, 
you know, why, why does he hate it? Because he's not getting his dick sucked every five fucking minutes? Mm. Because some people because some people are actually standing up for themselves? No, you know what, no, though? No, and, and, and no, Jack Perry's not in that list for me. The- Jack Perry was in the wrong. I oh, love Jack I wanna, Perry. I'm, I, I want to will- talk about that in detail in a minute, too. But my I problem- love Jack Perry, but I'm not going to defend him here. My my problem is that um, these guys, if they have a problem with punk, they're shooting on the air and hurting the product. Hangman made those comments. And, now Jack Perry's punk, doing it. Punk and, did it at the Punk's press conference. The well, he did that. Punk, press- did, it, punk, punk, punk did it two punk, weeks ago. Punk buried Hangman on air as well. Like, you know? I get it, and it's just wrong. And I think Punk's playing. If you can't beat him, join him. And that's not the right way to do it. Like you're a veteran, you need to be professional. You're, no, that's no not the game you're playing when you started the game. No one's being professional in this setting. No, you know nobody. You know, and, you know who's actually been. Role. You know who's actually been the best ones out of everybody so far is the Young Bucks, because they just shut up and stopped. They were bad for about three weeks after the whole thing, and they've not said a fucking word about it. Well, well, they they have a lot more to lose than anybody else, though, right? Um, um, like, what kind of look does it give when your executive, you know, producers or whatever they are, executive vice presidents, when they get a, when they get suspended for 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 conduct? Like, that's a bad. It's one thing when your champion gets gets suspended. That looks bad, but he's a performer. He's an employee. Can okay, you, your manager you, um, an unpopular opinion, maybe to some. Hmm. I might fire Junger Boy if I'm Tony Khan. No, I don't agree with you. Uh, I'll uh, tell you why. It's... There's two reasons why. There's two reasons why. Number one, at some point, Tony needs to show I have balls and I will fucking yes, use them. He does. Now yes, he does. But... This isn't. No, no. But hold on. Hear out my reasoning, though. This is not an episode of Dynamite or Rampage or what a pay per view. This is your biggest fucking show in company history. It is the highest, one of the, whatever their fucking thing is, most paid ticket attended wrestling event in the world. And you're going out and you're pulling that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what you did was wrong. But there was, there's been a precedent set. Well, somebody needs there, to be there, made there, an there, example. There, there, there was agreed, but hear me out here. Until now, there was nothing ever to show you know jack Perry that you can't do this it's not it's not right it's wrong there's nothing to show him that now here's here's we go this is where they have a, a chance to wipe the slate clean okay the end of this this whole bullshit you wipe it tony needs to have a company-wide meeting tony not his vice presidents not anybody else tony fucking con needs to stand up show the entire roster his dick and say, I'm your fucking boss. From this moment on, this is what this is what happens. These are the rules. If you cannot buy abide by my rules, there's the fucking door. Yeah, you and I both happen. were no, it's not, but that's that's what is gonna this is what has to happen. You and I have worked in management for the majority of our adult lives. How many times did you have a come to God meeting? with like a like a rally meeting or something like that with your staff and say hey you you guys are you guys are fucking up and if you don't stop fucking up then there's the fucking door and and the the thing is and 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 sometimes you have to put the blame on yourself and i've done this many times as a manager i've said listen i've let you assholes get away with this too much 
uh, you know, it's my fault that I didn't give you shit for this six months ago. It's my fault that I didn't give you shit for this three months ago. It's my fault for laughing when you did this fucking, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's my fault for not making sure that this isn't going to happen again. But this is me making sure this doesn't happen again. You fuck up again, you're gone. The president has now been set. Tony needs to get up onto a soapbox, wave his dick in front of his fucking roster and say, I am your boss. CM Punk does not own Collision. That's not the Collision is not CM Punk show. It's my show. Dynamite is not the Buck show. It's my show. Dyna, this AEW is my fucking show. You do things my way or fuck off. He doesn't have the balls to do it though. I, I he just won't do it. I would fire both of them. I'd fire Punk and Perry. Well, you know, you know that's not going to happen. But no, uh, but I mean, I think that's. I don't. Move. I on 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 what is. Basically, his first defense. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Perry uh, should be fired at this point. You can't do that on your biggest show ever. No, I agree. But the, again, the, and, and when, when it, nobody when it's, when it's been nobody would before, be talking. There would be no instant happening. No one would be talking about this punk shit. No one would be fucking going on and on about it. Everyone would be focusing on just the show. If Perry grew the fuck up, there's no need for it. You know what I mean? No, there's no. But there was also Punk could have been a bigger man and not pick a fight with him on his way. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's why I'd fire both. I'm not. To, I'm not sitting here defending either man. They're 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 both they're both in the fucking wrong. Um, I don't know that I'd fire anybody right now. That's just me. Uh, but if this should happen in the WWE, everybody be fired. This, somebody put out a meme today that they're like, oh yeah. Uh, this shit never happens in the WWE, and they put a list of things like Vince getting punched in the face by by Brett or or the plane right from hell or stuff like that. Like you just listed four things that happened in the span of thirty fucking years. I can give you four things that happened this year. Yeah, I was just gonna say, let's talk like, about like that all, time period. All the worst things that happened in AEW really started exactly a year ago. But if you want to take a look at all the at, big... At all you, in. Yeah, and if you want to take a look all at all in. the big things that happen in the WWE, the next thing you hear is Vince and JR sitting down with them and talking. Right? Yeah. But I guarantee I mean, you, I don't care who you are. Well, there's certain people that can get away with shit, you know, that like your Rocks, your Triple H's, mm-hmm. your whoever. But I guarantee you that if somebody that was at the same level as Jungle Boy... Did some oh. shit like that on a WWE? It yeah. could have been a Monday Night Raw. You're fucking gone, buddy. You're not even cl- you're not even close to wrong here. I mean, go like all to- the way back to go all the way back to like 1990, the or maybe it was 89. The uh, you know the Rockers got drunk in a bar, had a brawl, they got fired the very next day. Yeah. What they That's- did had nothing to what they did had nothing to do with a a pay per view or <laughs> you know what I mean. If but I were if t- I were Tony you Khan, go into business I, for yourself. If you're not firing him, I would give Jungle Boy the Triple H 1996 treatment. I'm not. I'm not. I, I hate that as a Jungle Boy fan, as a man who wants to see this guy pushed. I agree with you. Yeah, but now I don't trust you. What am I going to do? Yeah. I'm going to put you in this position. I this is the biggest push that he's gotten so far. They just and turned I've him heel. No, I've seen no proof at all that he's even talked to Tony. The Tony's even given him a slap on the wrist. All I know is that he was escorted from the building by by Wembley security and that he was given a phone call and told you're not to be at work for a few weeks. Like that's that's bullshit. Yeah. It's there's a lot of bullshit. But the biggest bullshit is that 
it's being this great show, this great moment, this great opportunity is being 100% overshadowed once again by bullshit. Yeah. Um, and at the center of that bullshit is your boy. I'm I'm sorry, but he, he's always at the center of the fucking uh, of the shit of the shit storm. And it'd be interesting to know to see when let's say they were let's say you know our wish comes true and he decides to walk away and and, and he leaves AEW. Be interesting to see if the bullshit kind of goes away. Because uh, it's not uh, like there's but, not but a lack of e- there's not a lot of of egos there. It's not just punk that's are in the bullshit. It's been you know Eddie Kingston, Sammy Guevara. It's fucking been enough people. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho's no angel. He has been an AW, I think. I mean, I mean, he's done a few things that I'm just like, what the fuck is your you know his diva attitude is kind of fucky, but. But it's on the lower end of the uh, of the totem pole when it comes to bullshit that's been going on. Anyways, that's not what this show is about. We're not uh, we're not here to completely talk about all that bullshit. We are going to get back into, into some Bray Wyatt. We just really needed to talk about uh, the AEW stuff. Give AEW their flowers. Hopefully, the bullshit of the the Punk uh, Perry situation goes away quickly, and we can get back to to, to watching this company grow. Um. I'm excited to hopefully start becoming a fan of this company because the way they're going right now, the matches they've been presenting, the storylines they've been presenting, I'm finally enjoying it. And if you can take away the things that sour it for me, then I I'll be back, you know, I'll be all in, you know, but, but this, this bullshit needs to go away. With that said, we're talking about companies that, uh, that I do love. Um, Another thing that overshadowed because of all this shit, nobody's talking about the fact that on that very same day, uh, Impact put on, a, put on a show. I have yet to watch it, but maybe next week we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Emergence just a bit. It happened in our backyard. Uh, neither you or I were able to go to uh, to the Rebel down in Toronto for it, but uh, I, I'm hearing good things about the show. Yeah, I've heard the same, and uh, I haven't watched it yet, so I don't want to really talk about it. I don't think that's fair, but maybe next week no. we can uh, jump in and do that. Um, how about we go to let, let's let's go to the Eric Rowan interview right now, I'd and like then we'll that. we'll come back and we'll you and I will talk about Bray a little bit, and then uh, we'll we'll go to waiting and the list, and then we'll take it home. Beautiful. So about uh, again, I want to just say this interview happened about three or four weeks ago. This happened before Bray's passing, uh, but here I am sitting down and and talking to one half of the the famous Wyatt family. Here's my conversation with Eric Rowan. All right, guys, we got a big special guest here today, former WWE Tag Team Champion, member of the Wyatt family, one of the most legendary groups in the history of the business. I'm here with Eric Redbeard Rowan. Mr. Rowan, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes here. I like how you put that, Eric Redbeard Rowan. <laughs> got to get the best of both worlds, right? Great moniker. No. Right, got it. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're up here in, uh, in our home country of Canada here. You're paying us a nice visit. We appreciate that. Do you have some favorite memories or moments of coming over to visit us over in this uh, neck of the woods? Uh, I mean, Canada... I don't know Toronto, like tons of matches over there. But like, as far as far as memories, I I always want to get out of the city, and I never get a chance to get out of the city. So like today, Wasaga Beach, I didn't, I didn't know this place existed. So you know, it's beautiful. It's beautiful out here. You know, they got the 
traffic jams heading to the beach. So, you know, I'd like to, to see the beach. You're only a couple of feet away. Maybe when you're done here, you can head over and, uh, and hit the sand a little bit. Yeah, but uh, probably good memories. I remember there was a pay-per-view that we did out in Toronto and uh, went and saw Iron Maiden over at the Amphitheater. That, that, that was a badass show. Great venue, too. Oh, yeah. Right, right by the water. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a lot of good shows at the amphitheater. A lot of good memories. Well, a lot of hazy, hazy memories at the amphitheater. <laughs> Let's switch gears a little bit. We got to talk about the Wyatt family. Uh, in my opinion, one of the one of my personal favorite debuts of anything on the main roster. Uh, can you kind of take us through your memories of that first night when you guys came out? Did the great angle with Kane? We'd never seen anything like that on TV before with the entrance and and you know those the the, the creepy music vibe and then the big angle with the steel steps. What are some of your memories just about that that debut night? No, it, it was it was really cool. It was unique. We shot all those vignettes and they they did them like found footage. Uh, from a reporter and so like there was a buzz going around about who who we were so when we were in baltimore and then we had the debut with with glenn big kane uh yeah it was it was impactful and i it's funny because I, I just remember that last shot of us smashing his face in which is a reason that he needs to have that mask and then and then uh i don't know if, if we dragged him away that day or not i don't remember I don't. I think we just uh, left yeah, him laying. I think so, yeah. Because I know we kidnapped a lot of people, <laughs> and nobody ever saw what happens. <laughs> Back at that Wyatt compound, crazy times, Can right? You imagine that found footage. <laughs> there's a rea- there's a reality TV show waiting to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the internet kind of ran a little bit wild last year. Bray Wyatt made his return to the company. Everybody under the sun was speculating if you were going to return or not. Was there ever any talk of you coming in and doing something with Bray, or is that just something you like to sit back and have a laugh at? I have a laugh with it because, you know, wrestling's always never said never, but everything in wrestling's last minute. If anything is going to happen, I'm not going to tell anybody. Like, it's going to ruin a surprise. So I feel at this point it's like if I post anything, if I, if I post something that I happen to, like, okay, well, you know, I went out for a car wash today. Well, if something on TV happens and somebody like did something with a car and got dirty, oh, it's going to be a speculation. Like, I'm not doing anything like to speculate nothing, like add fuel to any fire. It's just I find it funny. I laugh at the rumors because I was like, oh, it's news to me. But you know, if rumors are out there, it means people want to see something. So. It's it's ultimately not up to me. I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing uh, independence. Uh, I'm acting, you know. So I'm moving on, but I keep myself in shape. I, I think that also speaks to the legacy that you guys have with that Wyatt family, right? People clamor to see that return, so anytime Bray pops up, you're already associated with that. I think that's a tip of the cap to you guys for everything you accomplished. Uh, we, we accomplished a lot. We made a statement, and uh, it's good to see, you know, guys like, you know, Braun still out there trying to do something, even though I think he's hurt now, and and Bray still out there trying to do something, even though something's wrong with him as well, and, you know, Uncle Howdy or whatever his name is. Uh, but, uh, and then just the impact we all have on people, especially, you know, John, who we lost uh, a few years back, uh, and just the legacy he did in the short amount of time when he had his chance at AEW um, for a little run. And it just speaks volumes to the talent that, that all, all of us have. 
And, you know, we, we saw you uh, show up in AEW a couple times. You were part of that beautiful tribute show. Um, what was that night like for you? I know that must have been a tough one, obviously, but uh, I thought the tribute was beautiful. I thought it's one of the best wrestling shows that have ever been done. What was your experience like doing that? Uh, it was in the middle of COVID, and everyone's grieving. Uh, it was a big loss, and it's one of those things where if I wasn't invited, I would have been devastated. I wanted to say goodbye, and uh, that was the only way to do it in that time, to be around people that loved him and that, that love you. And there's no funeral. Like, that's your moment to say goodbye. And, you know, fortunately, the world got to see and hear from people he loved, and it was a, a public forum of a celebration of his life, not only in wrestling, but as a person yeah he, he, you hear such great things about him and you know it was a tragic loss for everybody and i'm sorry for your for your loss there absolutely but you did have a great moment lots of great moments with him and one particular one at wrestlemania you guys won the tag team titles uh can you kind of share your memories uh, of just that whole experience in front of that large crowd with one of your best friends capturing you know the top prize for, for what you guys are working on uh i mean it's it was a journey from fcw to nxt to the main roster to having singles runs to being put back together to having single runs to being put back together to being repackaged uh to finally be able to achieve what we both had tried to achieve from the moment we got there you know it, it meant a lot so uh it, it was a moment that I'm glad we got to share, uh, and I'm glad he got to share with me uh, when he was still around. But, you know, it's it's just one of those things that you, you can look back at pictures and whatever, but in the moment, it felt, it felt good. Absolutely. You know, you had another big WrestleMania moment being in the ring with one of the biggest stars in the world, The Rock. When you look back at something like that, uh, what do you what do you think about being in there with The Rock, having a moment that people are still talking about to this day, and, and what could be possibly his last official match too, right? I'm sure he'll have another match. I mean, if he gets cleared to do it. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, you know, it, it was it was amazing. It just to have the standoff moment and you know show the size difference. Even though it was a quick one, two, three, uh, it was it was to be in there with the great one. It's always a good moment. Like uh, I've been fortunate enough to be in the ring with uh, a lot of very talented people, and uh, I'm not quitting anytime soon. And there's a lot of talented people out there still on the indies, and so watch independent wrestling. Absolutely. The last two questions I want to ask you here: uh, If you had your choice of what was in the cage, what would it have been? I've said this numerous times. I wanted uh, the actress uh, that was in American Horror Story, La, P La Petite. I wanted her to be in the cage. I wanted her to be my friend that I was protecting from the outside world. And she knew that she would lock herself into the cage to protect herself from the looks and the jeers. Just like I would get looks and jeers because of the way I look. I actually, I love that. I've never heard you say that before. So that's fantastic. And, and I wanted her to uh, accidentally get killed because I wanted her to have a death on television uh, off offset, like have just the cage explode in blood in a trash compactor. That would have made. Now, now I'm just making up stuff, but <laughs> I was gonna say that that would have made for some can't miss TV. Last question I want to ask you here: 
uh, you've done so many great things in your career. What's something that you personally look back on and just makes you happy, just makes you smile, just a personal moment for you? People I've met, and uh, I'll go back again. I'll say it introduced me to, to John, and he makes me want to be a better dad, a better husband, a better wrestler. So, And he believed in me. Uh, when, when he was shelved and trying to get released to go do his own thing at AEW, and they wouldn't let him go. He was my biggest supporter when I broke away from Daniel, when I did my singles run before the cage. So, and he got upset when I had the cage. Like, he wanted them to do more with me. So, you know, I'm not gonna quit until I prove myself to him. You know what I mean? I wanna show people what he saw in me because I don't think people understand what I can do or what I'm capable of truly in the ring. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time out. It's always great to see you. Can't wait to see what the future holds. On behalf of myself, Tyler, and Mr. Redbeard here, you've been counted out. So, yeah, there it was. Uh, you got to thank Eric Rowan for, for doing that. And, you know, obviously we want to send our best to him in his healing period right now. It's got to be really hard for him, you know, especially you haven't heard this interview yet. I, I haven't no. shown it to you yet, Mike, but uh, especially, you know, just listen to him talk about uh the stuff with Brody it's only been like what two years since we lost Brody three years? yeah three and years? and you know uh, at the very end of the interview as you just heard there he said that basically he he doesn't want to stop wrestling till he feels like he's lived up to how Brody viewed him in the ring uh yeah it's powerful stuff and and it's tough and you know losing Bray this this has been a really hard year in general you know with Jay, oh. Bri- Jay Briscoe and Bray and it's just been hard, man. And, and, you know, I feel like this is the biggest year that we've had. And, you know, I write down everybody that passed away as the year goes, because I, I do the obituary, but superstar, Billy Graham, Iron Sheik, Draws, Funk, Bob Barker, we just lost too. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's been so hard. And Lanny Poffel, like the Bushwhacker Boot Butch, and Bray. this one losing Bray felt different. Um, I I don't know how it was for you, Mike, and and you know I was talking to uh, Anthony about this, and then maybe Jonah. I can't remember, but to me, and I mentioned this to you, this is very um, Eddie Guerrero feelings for me. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a lot of vibes like I got with Eddie, where you know this beloved superstar on the cusp of breaking out again you know eddie was supposed to win the world title when they found him passed away uh but just so young and just still so much left to give and especially bray bray was 10 years younger than eddie when he passed away right mm-hmm. bray's younger than i am he's he's 32 no. bray's 34 yeah. bray was th- bray was 34 eddie was 39 so was I he 39 no i thought he was yeah. i thought eddie was 42 yeah. No, um, no, he was three. I I actually went. I actually looked that up because I wanted to see the age between those two. Yeah, it's just you know I I don't even know like I don't want to run down Bray's. This is one of those. Um, I put this in the same category as, as Jay Briscoe and of course Eddie Guerrero. It's one of those rare things where unfortunately this is a business that gets marred with a lot of controversy. And the only time you get a death that's not controversial is when it's somebody like Terry Funk because he died when he was 80 years old. You know what I mean? 
um if you if you're dying young if you're dying pretty much under the age of 60 it's usually due to something bad you got from anywhere from you know suicide to 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 drug overdose to to something controversial eddie jay and bray those three there's no controversy there just not there's nothing but sadness mm-hmm. there's nothing to there's nothing to 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 argue about there's nothing to you know and here's what's funny about that think of those three guys the three names i just named eddie bray and, and, and jay briscoe three guys who you're gonna hear nobody say a bad word about you know the yeah. love oh. that's poured out for Bray right so now is ridiculous. Three guys that left young families behind as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Very sadly, yeah. It's tough, man. You know, Jay with the car accident, that wasn't his fault. And Bray, you know, with, with the, the kickbacks of the COVID disease and his heart was not strong. And So uh, apparently, I don't know if you read the, the update to, to, to the Bray Wyatt um cause of death um unfortunately he was told the day of his death that he was gonna have to wear this um defibrillator this uh this out of body i I didn't even know these existed i looked up these up after reading about this this is very interesting stuff everybody knows that you know guys like um triple h or uh i believe possibly rick flair don't quote me on that one or even scott hall they all had defibrillators put in their bodies so they're, they're they're constantly inside their body well, Bray was supposed to wear one outside of his body at all times. Um, and he wasn't wearing his. The, you know, they found his in his car uh, the day that he passed away. He he had a doctor's appointment where he was given it. He drove home, left it in the car, went for a nap and just never woke up. And that's the, one of the saddest fucking things I've ever heard. Um, his, his child with Jojo. I'm not sure if he's got children uh, from his uh, previous marriage. I believe he does. That's. I, I want to say he does, but that's a that, that that's that's not something I'm ready to be quoted on. But he does have a very young child with JoJo, and it's so sad that that child, you know, that that child's probably younger than Brian uh, Brian uh, Pillman was when his father passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gonna grow up knowing who his father was, but not being able to know who, who his is. father was. Yeah, and and that's oh, that that's heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Um... I, I don't want to run through his whole career because we're going to play the list again in a minute with, with mm. which highlights all the big ones. But do you have a favorite Bray Wyatt moment and opponent? One of my favorite moments is a moment that I'll kick my 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 own ass for the rest of my life from missing. Um, and that was SummerSlam nine, uh, 2019 when he debuted the Fiend character. I was there, um, I was there fuck, for that. I, I know you were there. I could have been there and I, and I turned down the tickets and decided to watch it in my home. I was... You know, I did NXT the night before. I said, I don't need to do SummerSlam. It's fine. Man, I wish I was there to, to witness that because it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, his entrances in general were always very cool. But uh, but that, the very first Dean entrance against Finn Balor, very cool. His return to the company um, at... at um, Extreme Rules. Or, uh, pardon me? Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules. Thank you. I was looking for that name. Uh, that was very cool. Very, very cool. I, I If I remember properly, I believe Stephen Bourne uh, spoiled that for you. Uh, he, <laughs> he spoiled a few for me. <laughs> He's good now. He always asks me if I'm watching now. 
<laughs> um, that was that was one of the coolest moments because you know Riddles, you're thinking that the you heard rumors that Bray might show up, but then nothing happens the whole show. Riddle is about to close the show, and they're doing that. I, I don't. I think they may have even gone as far as putting up that little um, trademark logo in the, in the bottom to make you think it was over. And then the lights go out. Uh, definitely one of my one of my favorite moments of his career. Yeah, and a moment we're going to throw to the conversation I have with Waiting, where we talk about that moment in great detail. Uh, I'll just share mine, and then maybe we'll throw to that um, WrestleMania 30 entrance. I just thought that was unreal. I I think his greatest opponent and some of the the guy that he did probably his greatest work with was Daniel Bryan. They had they had incredible matches both as the Fiend and as Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. That moment in the steel cage is something that I will never forget watching as a wrestling fan. I just think it was unbelievable. This stuff Um, with Cena as well. Yeah, Uh, Cena is up there with me. See, I I like the the uh, cinematic match, but I didn't like the first Cena feud. I really do think that was the point where they killed a lot of Bray's momentum. What was there's a there's a moment in time that sticks in my brain. Uh, you'll have to use your encyclopedia brain to to help me pinpoint when that was. But I think it was the the first feud they did. But there's a moment where Bray grabs Cena's like lifeless body in the ring and starts dancing with him like like he's a fucking dead mannequin. Yeah, do you remember that? That for, yeah that was their first feud. That's one of my favorite things that he's yeah, ever done because that's, that's, that's just so Bray. That's the joke. Exactly. From no, exactly. One, right? Yeah, but it, it's so good. You know what I mean? I love that shit. I like their their um, vignettes, like their debut vignettes, where like mm-hmm. you're at the Wyatt compound and it was like done like TMZ style reporting. It was done really cool. You, you know that? You know, I remember watching that back today. It reminded me of old um, the stuff they would have done in old Memphis. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you know what I mean. Where uh, it reminds me of the stories you always hear about uh, Kamala, the old Kamala vignettes. How they took, you know, I think it was um, was it probably Lance uh, took a took a camera out there. I think it was Jerry and Lance took a camera Jerry, out to the, Jerry in the back in Jerry Lawler's backyard. Yeah, out because he had Kamala. all this like swamp area. He had this like swamp Wakandan area. Giant. And I think of that, and that that's the vibe I get from the uh, the original um, Wyatt family. Uh, vignettes you know yeah um, what a, what a what a career though man yeah you know even going back to like husky harris and his nexus stuff and how he reinvented himself like former couple time wwe champion i i heard that roman reigns um presented the universal title to bray's family mm-hmm. the blue mm-hmm. universal title and they've now retired that title yes i think that's beautiful yeah, because Roman beat Bray for it. That's what you know. That's where Roman's title reign began was with Bray Wyatt. People shitting all over Roman for not being at the uh, at SmackDown that night for the tribute. Guess what, assholes? He was with Bray's family. He traveled to see Bray's widow. He traveled to to be with them to present this title to them in person. It, he didn't need to make it about Roman. He wanted to do it privately. He wanted to do it quietly. Um, so fuck you anybody who gave shit to anybody, by the way, I, and I've seen it all over the internet. Oh, fuck Randy for not showing up. Randy just lost one of his best friends. Randy loved Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Randy hasn't even been on Twitter about it. His wife has talking about how heartbreaking it is to see her, her husband in pain. You're going to give that. Everybody grieves differently. Everybody grieves differently. You want to know something? 
I guess I'm a piece of shit too, because I can count at least two funerals that I did not attend in my life because it was too fucking hard for me. You know, call me selfish, call me an asshole. Well, guess what? That's how I fucking grieved it. That's how I had to do it. Don't give anybody shit for show for showing up or not showing up or do, or doing what they had to do. Um, you didn't give a shit to to uh, to uh, Alexis Bliss too, because she couldn't she couldn't get on a plane in time. Like, go fuck yourselves. Uh, that that shit really pissed me off. I found that very disrespectful. Um, but anybody who watched that show saw it was a very different tribute show, you know, with with, with Eddie and Owen and stuff like that. They just stopped all all storylines and just kind of um, let everything just be about that. They didn't do that this time, and I don't have a problem with that because I, I think Bray Wyatt loved the business so much. He loved the creative aspect of the video, uh, of of the business so much, and he was one of the most creative people in the business. Mm-hmm. I think he would have wanted the creative process to continue. Why don't we? And that's what they gave you that night. Why don't we use that word "creative" to segue into my conversation with Wei Ting? Because mm-hmm. uh, we we really dived into. Um, Bray Wyatt's return and all the clues and all that fun time. Uh, this interview was recorded in November of last year, and it's just shocking. Like, you know, we talk about how what the future holds for Bray, and I never thought that we'd be thrown to it like this. And, you know, no. let's uh, let's go into that. And then uh, right after that, we're going to replay the list, and then Mike and I will come back and just take it home. You know, you talk about Bray and the character development that he has. Do you personally have a favorite version of Bray Wyatt? Because we've seen the evolution of his character a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think most, like, you know, there's really, to me, only been, like, two, like, real significant ones. One was, of course, you know, the, the whole Wyatt family thing with the fedora. And the other most prominent one would be, you know, the Fiend. And um, I think they both kind of have their real positives and standouts. For me, like, you know, I just remember back to WrestleMania 30, I believe, like in in New Orleans and Mm -hmm. just the entire town seemingly walking around there um, dressed up as Bray Wyatt in the fedora. And, you know, when he came out with those Wyatt family vignettes, that style of promo and the look of those things were so incredibly cool. It immediately just felt like, you know, like a great movie villain that I think, you know, suddenly became this this thing that everybody wanted to, you know, um, uh, impersonate um, either either at, at, you know, among your friends or whatever or at wrestling shows. So I think that was great. But to me, it it was taken to new heights with with the Fiend. um, And I don't necessarily know if I'm that much of a fan of, you know, the Fiend character itself. But for me, the greatest highlight, I would say, of, like, you know, my enjoyment of Wyndham Rotunda's career was the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena Mm -hmm. um, during that particular WrestleMania. I think it was 36. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, where um, it was an entire, if you want to call it a cinematic match, then yeah, I would term it that. But I wouldn't even necessarily call it a cinematic match. To me, it was more so an extended vignette, an extended, you know, video package. But one that I think did such a great job of, like, really exemplifying the psychological, um, torturous aspects of that character. Using somebody as, I think, um, ingrained in sort of like, you know, WWE's fabric as John Cena with his very like deep history this this match to me was or vignette like was was just a great psychological breakdown of 
all the aspects and all the fallacies in the baby face John Cena character that I feel was probably the closest we've got to like, you know, the, 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 uh, the uh, direct translation of what the fiend should be from Wyndham Rotunda directly to the audience. Mm-hmm. It really shows that creativity and just thinking outside the box and doing something different. And, and that's what we saw with, with the way that this, uh, return happened. Do you think that this is one of the most unique and, and creative returns that we've ever seen in WWE history? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, I would say it, it, it's the most I've been challenged as as a viewer uh, when it comes to one of these sort of return vignettes. I think the closest we've had to it prior might have been like might have been something to do with like Chris Jericho and like the the save us yeah. sort of like mystery. Um, I'm sure there are other examples that I'm not necessarily thinking of in the past, but I just don't recall a time where I've had to like dig as deep, you know, to, to, and by like, we, there was no mystery about who it was going to be. Maybe for the first couple of weeks, like some people suggested, Oh, it could be another way to introduce Karrion Cross or like, you know, this person, this person. I mean, it was always going to be Bray Wyatt just in terms of like, you know, somebody who hasn't been here in, in, in a while, uh, just in terms of star power, um, we all knew who it was going to be, but I, nonetheless, it was still incredibly fun to like, you know, specifically figure out all the little details that I think, you know, he and I, I believe Rob Fee and whoever else w- was in charge of, you know, creating all of these little Easter eggs to the point where you'd have to go online um, after every single one of these QR codes aired somewhere um, and then um, finding little things in the source code, you know, finding downloading the photo that would result in, in these images and then looking into the metadata into the photos, um, doing Google searches for like, you know, um, coordinates to, 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 you know, find a, a little clue about, um, you know, I, either a place called Wyndham or, or something like that. It was just all incredibly neat and completely different from the WWE's product, which I would say, especially under Vince, was you know very much catered to just surface level, um, you know, here here it is and don't look any deeper. Mm. I, I think it's interesting that you kind of compared it a little bit, not not compared it, but that you, you brought up the Chris Jericho Save Us uh, vignettes as well, because with that, they, they were very prominent things on TV. But, but with this, we started out with this angle during a commercial break on SmackDown, where they just played the White Rabbit song. And mm, and I thought that cool. song was so perfect. But but what a what an interesting way to start off this angle during a commercial break of all things, where you're almost, you know, banking on this point that and hoping that somebody's gonna record it and put it on social media and and get that talking. Very I loved it personally. I thought it was such a great way to start the angle. Completely agreed. Yeah, I, I even forgot about that. That was just how this whole thing kicked off was them like, you know, at house shows and, and during commercial breaks at live events, playing that song and dimming the lights and just, you know, relying on the audience to tell their story. And of course, the audience did, you know, mm. they, they know their audience, they know that this is a, a crowd that when when they don't necessarily want stuff publicized, will find, you know, a way to publicize the information that's out there. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know this, but like, just for me, the, the greatest examples of like, this sort of like fan sleuthing would be through something like, you know, uh, Marvel movies and Marvel TV shows, in particular for me, WandaVision, yeah. which was, you know, a show that I think was littered with some Easter eggs, but the audience 
looked even deeper into it to the point where like every little frame was kind of analyzed every little bug for instance like that was flying around people were trying to decipher what exactly it could mean and ultimately some of that stuff panned out but a lot of it was just the audience thinking too much nonetheless it shows an aptitude and capability for a fan to think on that level and um, it's just not a, a, an arena that I, I, I'm typically used to professional wrestling kind of playing in uh, with, 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 you know, like New Japan, I think, is, has is for certain um, stories and AEW for certain stories like wrestlers themselves are able to put a lot of detail into, I think, their, their work. But the WWE as a product promoting something like this through a video, I'm not used to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I like that you said earlier, like we all knew it was going to be Bray and then sometimes yeah. that's okay. You know what I mean? Like we all knew CM Punk was going to come back to AEW last year and it made for that great moment. And it, it's yeah. almost like if it wasn't Bray, I think everybody would have kind of been let down by the whole build. Right. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Ultimately, like what the whole experiment was for was to build hype for Bray Wyatt's return. You know, what's it was to get you to watch the next show. It was to get you to ultimately, you know, get interested in Extreme Rules, um, or you know, the addition of, of SmackDown that he was going to set to appear in the next day. And um, I would say, for the most part, it's it, it's been very successful. You know, uh, reflected in in metrics and merchandising sales. So, yeah. Yeah, for me personally, too, I really like the the evolution of the QR codes that they did because it would start, you know, very small in the background. Then the next week, it'd be a little more prominent. And it got to the point where it's on the back of the clipboard. Like, I thought that was a fun little wink and nod to the crowd. Like, you're about to get something, too. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, like, QR codes have been really nothing more than just, like, you know, ways to go to your official website. Um, for them to use the QR code as this kind of visual tool to lead people into this sort of a path towards a, a mystery. Like the QR code itself isn't enough to reveal what the story is. The QR code only reveals the next clue in, in the path. I, I, I thought it was incredibly fun. Now, I, I don't know off the top of my head if this is entirely true, but they never mentioned any of this on TV, right? They kind of didn't mention the QR codes. They they never talked mm-hmm. about White Rabbit. Like to me, that's incredible that they built up all of this excitement, all of this anticipation. We all knew it was coming at Extreme Rules, and they never promoted it once on TV. Like that that's that blows my mind. True. Yeah. I I mean that's part of what I think makes it fun, right? You know, your the audience is. Um, not being led at all by the story and by what's what's seen you almost get the sense that you're doing something that you're not supposed to when you're going to the qr code and finding the image and then right clicking on the the website to look at the source code you feel like you are doing that you Mm -hmm. feel like you have earned that you feel like you are doing something that you know they you nobody expected you to find but you are special because you found it that's the type of thing that I think, you know, wrestling fans are looking for. That's a challenge now, you know, for them to, to, to be engaged with. Um, that changed and has changed, of course, since he's returned, where, like, I think they've tried little clues like that. Um, and they've had the announcers call it out. And it's it just didn't work, you know, or at least it just it really does not feel the same. It's, it's more like... Um, you know, you kind of feel like you're you're being a little babied as as a fan. You know, when when I thought I think it was the challenge was was nice before. 
Oh, absolutely. It's almost like, you know, maybe this could be a new trend that we're going to see. This is, in my opinion, the first really successful time that social media to this extent has been brought in and used in a big storyline. You know, if you can tap into that creativity and do it right, this could be the, the start of a whole new trend across professional wrestling. Yes, absolutely. I mean, with the caveat that, um, you know, sometimes like wrestling is also the best most often, I would say, wrestling is probably the best when it is simple. When you're telling, like, an, you know, sort of your tried and true, like, good versus evil stories with, you know, a guy coming out there and speaking his mind, cutting a promo about how, why you should watch him beat up the villain, you know, in the next pay-per-view. Like, that, to me, will never be replaced. Um, I... I think there's, you know, there's still a lot of questions for, listen, like this, this Bray Wyatt character and how you can translate effectively what they've built with this character into a, a compelling in-ring product. I don't think they've proven that yet. Um, in building hype and building anticipation and building, um, you know, buzz on the internet. Yeah, all that stuff is great. And there's lessons that you could certainly learn from it that I'm sure they have. But um, whether or not it can effectively translate or certainly replace um, like traditional wrestling storytelling, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I kind of hope that they keep it special. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like uh, I, I noticed, like I found at least when, when WWE got their hands in that cinematic world, they really went overboard with it, kind of yeah. watered it down a little bit. The types, types of stuff like this, it, it's very catered to certain characters. You know, I, I could never imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin having a QR yeah. code. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, totally. but for a character like Bray, I, I think it's great. And, you know, if, if used properly, it could just open up this whole new, new world for sure. But I'd love to talk about the big moment finally at Extreme Rules. How how did you think that the overall presentation of the return uh, was delivered? The Extreme Rules first night I thought was really well done. You know, I mean, again, it, it was very much like the CM Punk situation of last year where everybody knew what was to come. Um, on air, really, they've made very... They made almost absolutely no mention of it, other than the, like the the fact that they might have mentioned like towards the end, you know, some mention of of the white rabbit. But we all knew what was happening. All the lighters, or I should say, cell phones were out. You know, by the time the the lights had dimmed, and then what they were called upon was to deliver. I think a pretty, you know, memorable theatrical, um, date re debut for for Bray Wyatt, and I think they managed to do that. You know, it came at the end of the show. You had, of course, all the Firefly Funhouse characters pop up throughout the crowd. And then ultimately ending with, you know, Bray Wyatt donning, I believe at that time, a new mask before walking out. And um, that was that. Um, I think some people might have been expecting more. Maybe they were expecting, like, him to actually cut a promo or something else. But, I mean, for me, from what I was able to gather, at least the vast majority of the audience was satisfied because... You know, it, they they did such a good job with with the theatrics of the reintroduction. Mm. Yeah, I think less is more in that case. You know, if he came out and cut this big promo, yeah, I, I like that they saved it for TV. They can build it up, try to get a rating up a little bit. Uh, mm. I thought that being in Philadelphia was perfect for that as well. Uh, that that crowd is always passionate and make things feel bigger than what they are as well. And, and you know, Bray Wyatt got a superstar reaction. It's got to be one of the biggest ovations I've ever heard him get. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You know, we're, we're also seeing teases of a possible faction with Bray. What do you think of that idea? Do you, do you like the idea of him coming in with people? Who are some names that you think would fit well with Bray? 
Well, I mean, you know, there's there's been a ton of speculation about the identity of this Uncle Howdy character. A lot of people have been able to point out the earring mm-hmm. that Uncle Howdy wears with the with the cross that uh, Bo Dallas, of course, his brother also has uh, sported in the past. So I think a serious turn on Bo Dallas as part of this sort of faction would be very interesting. I'd love to see that. Um, I don't know if I can think of too many other names on the current roster i think like vincent you know from roh like a lot of people were, were suggesting him because uh of his close ties to Wyndham rotunda in real life um i if it's going to be really anybody i would anticipate maybe some of the names that are outside of the company right now um and then maybe somebody in the like you know oh i i would hate to see alexa bliss back in like i i think she even though I, I, I suppose, like, you know, it's it's an interesting part of her character now. I, I never liked all the Lily stuff. I thought it was just sort of a, I don't know, mm. cheap version of, of what they were doing with The Fiend. And I, I, I much prefer Alexa as a heel, uh, as her actual self in the women's division. See, I thought that they had such potential when they started that with The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. I, I loved it. I, I was getting, like, those horror movie vibes from it where she was in the trance with him. And, and then it, it just got silly, the Lily stuff. And I just didn't understand where her character went there. If they were to put Alexa back in, I'd like them to maybe take that more serious road. But it also kind of feels like a step backwards for both of them at this point as well. It's the same thing. You know, we're hearing a lot of rumors about maybe Eric Redbeard or Eric Rowan coming in. It's almost like we're we're going backwards with Bray. Should we not be going forward maybe? But it also makes sense for his character. You know, a guy like Braun Strowman, I think, is going to kind of start floundering a little bit soon. I don't... Maybe you, you you reunite the Wyatt family a little bit, but in a different way with Bo Dallas. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that would work. I don't know if I even like that. But, you know, it makes sense with this history if they're tying in all these little things. But uh, I'm in the wait and see mode. I You know, as, as this aired, we're probably going to see a lot of things that have been different here. And maybe we're going to sound really smart and guess some of the things right. And maybe we're going to be way off. But that's the whole fun of the professional wrestling world right now is just to sit back and enjoy the ride. So much changes in such a, a small amount of time, you know, um, both on screen and off screen. So, yeah, this this conversation could be completely outdated by the time it comes out. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Top seven Bray Wyatt career moments. This could include some matches. Not a lot. Like, I, I didn't I'm not really making this a match list, but there are some that probably will sneak I've, on there. I've got matches, but not matches. I've got moments in matches. OK, right? cool. So, so yeah. Um, this this is kind of just what I've enjoyed that Bray Wyatt has done, because I I don't know like I've always liked Bray Wyatt, but I'm not like as into him as everybody else is. You know what I mean? I I love what he does, like, but like I'm not like it's not like Bray Wyatt's my guy. You know what I mean? Right. I just respect the hell out of him and think he does awesome stuff. So these are the moments that I personally find um, entertaining or memorable that Bray has done. I I know I'm missing a lot of stuff. And and leave me the comments. I know I'll probably miss some big ones. So leave me the comments if, if you do. Uh, and, and we'll go from there. But I'm going to start off with my one of my favorite debuts of all time. And my number seven is the debut of the Wyatt family on Monday Night Raw when they attack Kane. Right. I love this angle. Um, I've never seen anything like this before. 
the Bray way that they did this with and Kane was the perfect first opponent for Bray too yes. on the main yes, roster, especially yeah. at that time period where like he was still really over, still a big deal, but also like coming towards the end of his career. So it was like yeah. so it was, it was okay for him to be put, putting over young talent. Yes. Um the entrance, the close up of their face, yeah. the lighting of the, the lantern. We're here. Exactly. Yeah. And then just the way they shot it with the dark arena and, and holding the lantern up to their face, I was blown away by watching this entrance. I yeah. I, I didn't and know. It, and this was during a time I wasn't watching a lot of NXT. I didn't watch so, any NXT. I didn't have access to it at this point. So I had no right. idea who Bray even was. Right. And I was just like, hold. Like, and then they did, like, they laid out Kane and they did that thing with the steel steps in his head. And I was just like, this is the most effective debut. I, if we did a top seven debut list of all time, this would be on my list as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, just super memorable. I loved everything about it. I don't, not really much more to say about it. No, it was a great debut. Um, the imagery and the entrance that we got used to over the years, this is the first time we saw it. And it's still awesome after all those years. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? The uh, And everything they added to it with the... Um, the, the the rocking chair and, and the masks of the Wyatt family and all that it, it, it just became this awesome thing yeah and it all started on that thing too yeah yeah they had such a great look like Luke Harper channeling that Brody Lee look still and and rolling with the mask yeah it was it was great and the theme song ah oh, I almost pulled a U and gave the old number so, seven to the theme song I would have l- allowed that it's one of my favorite theme songs in WWE history. But I couldn't do it for the old number seven because it kind of ties into my number six. Okay. Which is Bray Wyatt's WrestleMania 30 entrance. Yeah, okay. Probably, I might catch heat for this. This is one of my favorite WrestleMania entrances of all time. Um, I always mix them up. 30, is that this Scarecrow's? No, that was 31. 30 was yeah. the live performance of the oh, theme song. Oh, okay. I do love that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. here's kind of what my takeaway is from this, because I was really drunk, and I may or may not have smoked a bit of a joint for this WrestleMania. I know you and I had drastically different experiences watching WrestleMania 30 when it happened. Uh, yeah. I was with you know my, my some of my very best friends on the planet up in Sudbury, Ontario, of all places where I was living. The boys made a road trip up for WrestleMania. I hadn't seen them in a while. And we we had a real good time, you know what I mean? And by the time this match happened, we were all feeling good. And when it happened, when, when they started their entrance, I turned all the lights off in the house. I had surround sound in my, my room, and we were fucking cranking it. And I just felt like, because this was in New Orleans, this WrestleMania, remember, right? And you're seeing all these crazy, like, voodoo-looking people, and the, the, the masks on, and the live band is playing, looking creepy. And I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking to myself from a kayfabe standpoint, what was Bray Wyatt's week like in New Orleans to lead to this moment (laughs) happening? You know what I mean? Like think about that, like what his character was doing, what he was seeing that week. And then all of a sudden you've got the band and the mask and the fucking, just the walk down and the all the lights in the Superdome. It was the first time you got to see the fireflies in a stadium setting. This is one of the best wrestling entrances of all time. 
I'm not going to disagree with that. I, it would definitely be in the top three for me. At yeah. Least. Yeah. I put this above Rusev in the tank. I don't care how many times they've been landing screwed in it. <laughs> All Moving right. On. Solid start. Solid start. Moving on to the number five. I might take some heat for the placement on this one, but I'm sticking with it. Bray Wyatt winning the WWE championship at the elimination chamber. Yeah, this is about where I would put it. This was just such yeah. a nice moment. I didn't expect yeah. him to win this match. I knew like, it was kind of rumored to go like, you know, Bray was going to win it, but I didn't think they would actually do it because like Bray was just that guy that everybody thought deserved better and would always yeah. lose on pay-per-view. He'd always lose his feuds. Like he was on like a huge pay-per-view losing streak for a long time around this time period. And just like, the reaction that he got from the crowd for finally winning the title, I just thought was such a great moment. And, you know, say what you want about the next couple of months, that feud with him and Orton, I thought it was terrible. I, I thought most of his feuds with Orton were terrible. They will not be on the list here. But uh, I thought this was a really nice moment for Bray. Number four. Yeah, that, that's a good place. Oh, yeah, I think so. Number four. One that I witnessed personally, the debut of The Fiend at SummerSlam. I'm still kicking my own ass for not being there that night. I, I, I went to NXT the night before. I just couldn't afford tickets to go to SummerSlam. Um, I gave a lot of thought to getting some scalp tickets. Uh, but I just didn't want to sit fucking nosebleed for SummerSlam. But now I wish I sat nosebleed just to be in the building for that entrance. Um, it was, was cool. the first time we saw the Pete's entrance. Which I was, was hammered too. I blacked out shortly after this. I blacked out halfway through Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston, but I was hammered oh for SummerSlam. This was cool yeah, this live was, though, man. This is uh this is one of the coolest moments in his career for sure. Um just the overall presentation of it, you know, the slow like lights going down. Yeah. And I really, you know, we can even take this a step further. And talk about the Firefly Funhouse vignettes leading up to this. Um, on my list, I can lie to you. Yeah, I didn't put it on my list. I'm going to give a spoiler. It's not on my list. It came really close. But um, the vignettes were great leading up to it. It was so different. You'd never seen it before. And then you have the start character. They did it for months. Yeah. You know, it started off with Mercy the Buzzard. And then that turned into to seeing Bray as this, like, Mr. Rogers character which each week got a little bit darker, a little bit darker, a little can bit I, darker. Can I tell then, you what I thought the original character was going to be? I thought he was going to be like a cult leader. Right. I thought that was like, I thought the kids were like, you know, like going to be like, he was just going to yeah. be like this mesmerizing, like cult leader, like Jeffrey Jones or like Jim Jones, sorry. Like, which is kind of what his original character was. Yeah. A little bit. Right. Yeah. I, that's where I thought they were yeah, going very, with it. Very, very Manson-esque. Um, and then even after this, I, I liked the follow-up to it where, like, Jerry Lawler would be in Memphis and the lights would slowly go down and why it would show up and hit the claw. Like, I, I thought they really booked The Fiend really strong until Hell in a Cell. And then Hell in yeah. a Cell happened. And then Goldberg happened. And then Goldberg happened. And then Vince and Nick with their cuts happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he looked like um, uh, the Toxic Avenger for a little while. Oh, yeah. I love that. But my number three, he looked really cool. 
and a bunch of different spots of it. The Firefly Funhouse match from WrestleMania. I would not have argued with you if this was your number one. I think my number one I'm going to get heat from you for, but I think I'm going to get heat from everybody for it. This was almost my number one. And going back in hindsight, looking at my this list, I wish it was... My number one. I wish I put this at my number two. Uh, you know what? I'm going to change it on the fly. This is going to be my number two. All right. I'm going to tell you but my this... number... Okay, we'll do number three in the number two spot then. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, this I, I fucked was... up. I should have put this number two. This was one of the coolest moments of one of the weirdest WrestleManias. You know, they, they had to pull something out of their ass. They, you know, it's the first WrestleMania. We're, we're, we're fresh into this pandemic. First WrestleMania history with no fans. What do you do? And they were able to, to pull this out and give us the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. It worked. I never thought, yeah, I never thought I'd see anything weirder than i remember the first time i ever watched um the deletion match with yeah. uh with, with, with matt and jeff i remember watching that and being like what the fuck did i just watch but i knew it was something special you know it, it was the same thing with with, with bray and john cena because it was so different it was it wasn't like the deletion match it was like this mini movie directed by fucking david lynch like it was fucked I, um, I loved watching John Cena really in the NWO, the, the, all the throwbacks yeah. to the ruthless aggression, just genius, genius stuff. And I find that people either love it or they hate it. Just like the ultimate deletion. And I loved both of them. And uh, that's why it's my number two, even though I originally said it was my number three, change it on the fly. Number three, that originally was number two, but is now number three. The Wyatt family versus the shield. Uh, Elimination Chamber was the match. I'm very curious what your number one because this would have been my number two right behind the John Cena match. My number one is going to be like, you're going to hear me say it and be like, really? And then I'm going to say why I said it and hopefully you'll see why it's my number one. This is more of a personal favor for me as well. Uh, The Firefly Funhouse definitely makes a strong case for number one. However, these guys, that moment that they did on Raw where they both stood on each side of the ring. Yeah. Fucking awesome. And this match, what a match these guys had. And they dominated. They dominated the Shield in this. Put, put the Wyatt family over strong. 100%. Just and to get eaten the, up by John Cena. Yeah. But it, but it was the right move. Uh-huh. The Shield didn't need that momentum. No, they did the not. Gray, but the Wyatt family did, and they got it and deserved it. All right, okay. man, I, I, I have no idea. Number one, I'm kind of cheat coding a little bit because it's kind of two parts. Okay. My number one is anything that Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan did together. All right. I have rivalry with Daniel Bryan written down on my wow. list. Just the magic that these guys created every single time they got in the ring. And yeah, you know what? Maybe the Firefly Funhouse should actually be the number one because it's the most Bray Wyatt thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's the most Bray Wyatt-like thing. And I did this list a little bit in a rush, so maybe in hindsight, the Firefly Funhouse should be my real number one. But don't sleep on him and Daniel Bryan. They've had two amazing feuds together. They had the one feud 
where Brian joined the Wyatt family to try to destroy it from the inside, which led to, in my opinion, the one of the greatest moments in Monday Night Raw history inside the steel cage where Brian finally turned on Bray and the crowd. I've never seen a crowd like that in my life next to maybe Hogan and Rock at WrestleMania. That crowd was out of control. Then they have an amazing match at the Royal Rumble that year as well, uh, which people forget about. Very, very awesome match. Then you fast forward all the way to the Fiend stuff that Brian and Bray did together. People forget about that spot where Bray pulled Brian under the ring and ripped his hair out. Like, that was crazy, man. Then they had two great pay-per-view matches. They had the strap match at the Royal Rumble. I believe they had a great match at Survivor Series as well that year. I could be wrong, though, on that one. I just love everything that they did together. So, you know what? In hindsight, I'll say Firefly Funhouse really should be number one. I'll move it down again on the fly. Number one, Firefly Funhouse. This is my number two by far, though. I think that Daniel Bryan is is Bray Wyatt's greatest opponent of all time. It's definitely on my list. For me, it'd be more in the three or four spot, but it's definitely in the list for sure. It's my number two. That's it. Number one, Firefly (laughs) Funhouse. Doing it on the fly. I co-host this show. It's my list. I'll do what I want, (laughs) all right? Haven't done a list in a while. (laughs) Oh, oh, I get so much heat when I say that. (laughs) All right. Um, I have only two left over that you haven't mentioned. Okay. So I have two honorable mentions. One is from uh, the SummerSlam 2014, where he de- fought and defeated Chris Jericho. Okay, great match. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great match. And I think beating they, somebody like Jericho gave him a lot of momentum. They had a great cage match as well. A and my lot. other one, my other one was him uh, doing a run-in and costing Roman Reigns the Money in the Bank match in 2015. Great moment as well. I also enjoyed his run-in on Moxley and Hell in a Cell with the Lantern. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That one I put on my... I, I don't have many honorable mentions either. No, yeah, um, those are my two. I've got, I've got two more after the Moxley one. The very beginning stages of Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss was so good. It started out phenomenal. I don't um, like where it, it went. It, it ended out horribly. But the, the uh, beginning month or two was so good. Yeah, and uh, I, I really enjoyed his tag team with Matt Hardy. Me too. Me too. I meant to put that on my list. Their their deletion match was great. I it was fun. It. Their tag team was great. They played off yeah. each other well. Yeah. The, those are the only honorable mentions I have. There it is. That is the, the list that we did probably about a year ago almost. You know, just probably a couple almost a year ago, you know, probably a couple months away from being a year, probably 10 months ago. Um, It's just sad. You know, it sounds cheesy, but, but, you know, tell the people you love that you love them and just take a step back, take a step back in the world. And, you know, I'm not even talking about wrestling right now, but just enjoy life because yeah, one run at it. You know what I mean? Don't, uh, don't take it for granted. It's funny on a personal note. Um, I really thought about that a lot yesterday, uh, you know, thinking about how all the things that Bray won't be able to do with his children now. Um, I said, fuck it. Yesterday I had the full day off work and and, and it was just me and my boy. I, I I threw him on the go train. He took his very first uh, uh, train ride ever. 
All by himself. Wow, he's really young for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Just threw him on the train and told him to get the fuck out and then, of here. <laughs> and I, then I sat in the bar all day. What a dance. <laughs> no, I mean, I took him on the GO train. We went to, anyway, I apologize to anybody who's not from the Toronto area. All this is going to be lost to you, but I'm going to say it, talk about it anyways. Anyone who knows Toronto, we took the GO train all the way to Union Station. Uh, then after Union Station, when we walked off, the platform from Union Station into the, um, tr- you know, Toronto. So uh, we walked onto French Street. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you walk into French Street, the the city is there, right? And this is his first, his first time really seeing the city. And I had one of those moments where I'm like, holy fuck, this is, this is one of those great moments for me. I get to witness my son seeing something for the first time and taking it all in and it, the looks on his face. I took in everything a little bit more yesterday and i think i normally would have because it's it's all become so real to me that you know this could be taken away tomorrow you know and, and uh, we walked around front street a bit we walked around the area downtown uh, toronto and i took him to uh took him to ripley's aquarium for the first time which was cool because it was not only his time at the aquarium but it was my time my first it's, time as it's well. really cool eh? it's a very fun place and again me just standing back and watching him soak this all in and, and having such a good time was one of the greatest moments of my life because you know we all take we take things for for granted so often and i'm at a point in my life where i have way too much to lose you know um i i don't you know we don't control like like anything can happen tomorrow we don't control that what we control is in the moment right now and in the moment right now i just want to be that guy who loved his kids and i think that's who had bray wyatt was as well um, so I, I took that, I took that to heart, especially yesterday, but I'm taking it to heart every day now that I, I'm just, you know, fuck everything else. Fuck every time I'm pissed off at work, every time, the, uh, you know, every time some asshole says I have no credibility on a podcast, I'm just, I, I, I'm just, I'm not going to let any of it bother me and just remember, man, like, like my kids, like, like that's what it's all about. And, um, we, even the people with no kids, everybody's got that something. Everyone's got something to, to keep them driving, something that they, they can lose. And, and uh, just don't take it for granted, man. Tell the Just like Tyler said, tell the people that you love them. Show the people that you love them. Show your, your love language, you know what I mean? Because I don't know what's happening tomorrow. You don't know either. So that's it, man. Um, you have anything left to say about Bray Wyatt? You know, I think that uh, you just said something really beautiful there. And I'm going to take a page out of your book because... I think you said it perfect and I'm going to take us home this week because that was beautiful and I have nothing more to say. So on behalf of ELE, everyone love everyone and uh, our big respects to Bray Wyatt, the Terry Funk tribute show is still coming and much love to Terry Funk as well. Uh, But, you know, just uh, on behalf of Bray Wyatt and, and thank you, Bray, you've been counted out. Cheers.